All right, we are live on another edition of the Ed Lowe Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, we've had a lot of cool podcasts. I got a lot of really cool uh, wrestling podcasts lately. I've had Jake the Snake on, and I've had Al Snow on, and I've had. Uh, and it's been a while since I've had a, a local indie guy on, and this is somebody who I was just telling him off air. First time I saw him. Um, you know, as, as a guy who's been a wrestling promoter in the past, and I always, when I go to a show, even if I'm wrestling on it or not, I'm always watching the other guys and saying, who is it that I would book? And as soon as I saw this guy and the way the crowd reacted to him, uh, I immediately said, this is a guy I would book. I have with me the suplex in red Mexican CJ dirt CJ. Thanks for coming on the podcast. That's right. Thank you very much for those kind words. Very proud to be here and excited. Yeah. Awesome. So CJ, tell me the first thing, um, uh, you, I've noticed that you, uh, you've, you've done a lot of kind of, uh, factions, tag team wrestling. You seem to be pretty close with guys like Matt Freeman, the Godfather of Swole, who's been on the podcast, Michael Sean, where did these, all these friendships come from wrestling or did you know them before? Yes, all of, I met all of them in wrestling. Um, me and Matt Freeman, though, were uh, connected by fate, and we didn't even know it. Oh, yeah. So uh, Matt Freeman used to do a podcast called Inside BJJ, uh, and it was big on Apple, iTunes, and everything. And uh, he was going to interview Mike Tyson on his podcast. Oh, so nice. Mike Tyson was coming out to Stockton. So Mike Tyson uh, was also doing some uh, political and business deals in the area. So he came to my high school to speak, but he only oh, nice. spoke to the bad children. So yeah. I was one of the bad kids and got to meet Mike Tyson that day. And that was all because of Matt Freeman, who I didn't even know at the time. And then yeah. find out years later, he's the one that organized that whole trip. So, Wow, we that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you were a bad kid, bad kid. Tell me what that, what you meant by that or what they meant by that. Well, you know, just, uh, unruly, I guess, and not a uh, straight A's. I never was uh, suspended or expelled, but, uh, they definitely knew I was a ruffian, but could never catch me by the tail. Really <laughs> skirting them. You grew up in Stockton area then? I grew up in Manteca, California, but I was born in Tracy, but I only lived there for like two months and we moved to Manteca. Okay. And just born and raised still there? Yes. Okay. Still live here in Manteca. Wow. Okay. So tell me, um, I want to get to know you as just a person. Tell me, where do you land in the birth order? Tell me about your parents, family background. Uh, I have a lot of half brothers and half sisters, but I'm just a single child of uh, my mother and father. Okay. Um, my father had a bunch of, like I said, the half brothers and half sisters, but uh, I was just raised here by myself. I was the red Mexican raised by the white side of the family. So that's why uh, I know very little Spanish and that's where it helps out the wrestling character. So is that your, was your dad uh, a Mexican and your mom white? Yes. Is that, uh, yes. Okay. okay. You were, so you were kind of the, the half, half Mexican raised in a white world, huh? Exactly. What was that so, like for you? Well, I only seen my father probably about 14 times in my entire life. Uh, he's passed away now. But uh, something that was always interesting is he never wanted me to learn how to speak Spanish because he thought he was of the old school mentality that it was uh, bad. He mm. should just speak English. There's no reason why you should want to revert, you know, or know Spanish, I guess. So mm. he never wanted me to learn and wouldn't teach me anything when he did come by. So. Huh. So we're still we're trying to do it now, you know. I'm on the Duolingo and whatnot, but nice. Nice. I'm still struggling. Uh, okay. Um, so your your dad did he live in Manteca as well, or did he live somewhere else? No, he lived, I believe, in like Ceres or something, Modesto area, somewhere uh, over there. Okay. I so a little bit about me. I um I I mean I'm pretty much born and raised in Sacramento, but I think the from probably first grade to fifth grade, I grew up in Modesto. And uh, so kind of central California area like that. It's so funny because it's only like 45 minutes an hour away from Sacramento, but it's just different. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it is a whole nother world. And so um, 
did you ever have like a decent relationship with any of your half brothers or sisters? Uh, still to this day, I got a half brother and a half sister. Uh, they come to the shows, uh, some of them when they can. Um, so my, uh, mother and father both worked at the military base in, uh, Tracy, California. Oh. And, uh, my half brother, Danny, uh, was his name. He's still, uh, he doesn't work out there anymore, but he did work out there as a security guard. He mm. would uh, check uh, people's badges and stuff when they came through the gate. So my whole family was, uh, working at that military base at one point or another. Oh, nice. Okay. And so now, um, but, but primarily you were raised by your mother and what did you, were there any stepfathers in your, in your background or anything like that? No, uh, luckily though, uh, next door was my grandparents and my aunt. So we live in an apartment complex and, uh, they all helped raise me there. So that's why I said, you know, the white side, it was, uh, (laughs) multiple people. They all helped. And, uh, molded me to be the man I am. Nice. So uh, what did they think about you as being kind of labeled as one of these bad kids, you know? uh, And and I share this with you because quite frankly, it's a little bit different. Me being a Mormon, I I was never like you. I was never caught doing anything that I could get arrested for or anything like that. But, you know, I was a little bit uh, kind of misunderstood and a little bit more loud and rambunctious, big wrestling guy, did some backyard wrestling, stuff like that. So I was kind of labeled a ruffian, and uh, I felt like unfairly. Did you feel like you were unfairly labeled as a, as a kid like that, or do you think it – no, they're pretty spot on. <laughs> uh, it depended. Uh, I wasn't doing anything bad. It was just, you know, like uh, drinking, smoking, stuff like that, you know, so. Okay. Uh, the grandparents never knew about that till I was an adult, but uh, I flat out went and told my mother after a while. I was like, look, I'm not getting in trouble. I'm, you know, doing the best I can with my grades, but I fucking party. Sorry if I can't cuss, but, you know, no, I party okay. and, and uh, she said, don't get caught or your ass is grass. And then I never got caught. So I <laughs> did my nice. best to make sure, you know. Nice. Now, where does wrestling come in and how does that get introduced to you? I watched wrestling ever since probably the first through third grade area. So what happened was uh, in my apartment complex, there's a bunch of kids and we all hung out and, you know, uh, we all played wrestling, yada, yada, watched wrestling. Uh, But none of us had the pay-per-views. No one could afford a pay-per-view. And, you know, if we got like the PS2 game or whatever, we'd all be over there playing the games at each other's house. But I was the only one out of that whole kid group that liked heels. I liked Edge at the time. And everybody else was all about, you know, John Cena or, you know, all the others. Mm-hmm. So uh, that stuck out to me. And I only knew WWE existed for all those years. But then I was probably like in fifth or sixth grade, maybe. The backyard wrestling video games came out. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor's dad had bought it. And he's like, you guys got to come play this. And then we're all like huddled around the TV. And we're like, we've never heard of any of these wrestlers. And then he's like, these guys are better than WWE. They're on the independents. And we're like, what? And then I was the only one that really went and like researched. And I was like, holy crap. Like there's a whole new world of wrestling that I learned about because of those video games. And uh, I was like knee deep into it. And then by that time, maybe a year or two later, all the kids didn't like wrestling anymore. <laughs> mm, I remember uh, walking to school and they're all like, it's fake, it's whack. And I'm just like, what? Like, come on, like two months ago, you know, you are all about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was the same way, man. When I was all the way, I feel like it was up until fourth or fifth grade, like everybody I knew in Modesto, like I, my birthday is in April, right? So it's right around WrestleMania. So every birthday party I had was a WrestleMania party and everyone would come. And, uh, and so, yeah, but then I moved up to Sacramento and it was sixth grade and I was being made fun of for being the one to like it, you know? Yep. And, and the funny thing was my, I'm a little bit older than you. So I hit high school and that was in the middle of the attitude era. And then all of a sudden everybody's wearing NWO shirts into generation X search and Austin 316. And so then all of a sudden, and then I was doing backyard wrestling. So I was the cool kid because I was, it was such a weird world being like from, from like fifth grade to 16, where everybody made fun of me for liking wrestling. And all of a sudden I was like the OG wrestling guy, you know what I mean? And so you have kind of a similar experience. Uh, yeah, we, we did a little bit of backyard wrestling, but 
actually, by that time, because we were like in, like I said, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, none of them liked wrestling. They were more into UFC, I guess, mm. uh, MMA stuff. But we would still do the wrestling. They were more mm. imitating MMA, but they would still throw in some of the. But it was mm. kind of it was it wasn't a, a work though. We were actually wrestling. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. So, so I remember uh, beating a kid named Vince with the STF. And he was mad because I beat him with a wrestling move because he was into MMA. <laughs> nice. Did you um, uh, did you actually start attending independent shows as a kid? Yeah. So my aunt would take me to the uh, PWB. That was the only wrestling I had ever heard of. So, well, I scratched that. Take that back. When I went to a house show one time, I got a DVD to go to PCW. Uh-huh. And when I called... You know, I don't know who I talked to, probably Zach or whoever. They were like saying it was going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you know. And I lived in Manteca and they basically were like, don't even come up here. <laughs> uh, I was also, okay. you know, real young, you know, seventh uh-huh. grade or so. Were you, uh, but were, I, you trying, were you trying to learn how to train or just go to a show? No, I wanted to train. Oh, okay. Because at the house show, they literally gave out a DVD and it said PCW, the home of NorCal wrestling or something. And then uh, when you got home and popped it in, it just showed like a match and then talked about they had a training school or something. And mm, nice. so they, they passed those out back in the day, I guess. Nice. Yeah. You probably talked to Zach then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, kid, so. yeah. Now, did you, you ended up at, uh, you, you would go to, when you see PWB, you mean Bushido? Is that the one in Modesto? Yeah, with uh, Bobby Hart's. Oh, yeah. I know Bobby. I well. Watching uh, Daniel Torch, like in his first matches and stuff. And I uh, yeah. told him that. <laughs> and he's all making me feel old, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, did you did you ever become a person who like enjoyed independent wrestling more than the WWE? Or how did that all kind of work? Uh, it depends. I mean, they were both on the same level to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked up to people like I was always shocked as a kid at PWB when some of the stars would come in. Well, I say stars, but, you know, at the time, Drake Younger was a real big deal. And yeah. I, I didn't he lived in the area. And then when he appeared, it was like mind blowing to me. That was like if a WWE person walked through the door. Yeah. Well, the time so did did you know that drake young i did not realize till recently that drake younger's back in japan i had no idea i just knew he was in the politics and then yeah yeah so he, that got him that got him that got him canned from nxt but now he's back to wrestling and uh, i think it's ddt and, okay and, uh, well, i'll have to look into that i've i know I, I just i just noticed because marcus Mack snapped a picture and put it on facebook and tagged him and so i looked and see what he was doing because i knew drake drake worked for me a couple of times before he signed to nxt and so it clicked and i saw that he's he's on the way back to japan he's wrestling again and i was like oh i, I thought he was i thought he was done so that's interesting so who who would you say when you were a kid and we'll talk about like WWE mentioned Edge but anybody who you kind of looked at, to as an influence and then how about also on the independent scene? Hmm, on the independent scene, you know, I was still real big into, you know, of course like CM Punk, Delirious, uh, hmm. stuff you'd see on Ring of Honor. I was ordering Ring of Honor DVDs, you know, as a kid mm-hmm. like yeah. I've heard of well I guess nowadays it's all on YouTube and everything, but I remember it was hardly on YouTube and that's why I had to order the DVDs. You know, you had to be yeah. committed, not as hardcore yeah. as people in the nineties, the VHSs and stuff, but I yeah. still had to say to get those DVDs and everything. And yeah, similar I, to people went I did, the, I did the same thing, man. I I've got a, a whole, a whole shelf of, or like old school ROH stuff. I mean, even back to the very beginning, like where the era of honor begins, where it's like the triple threat between Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels and, um, uh, AJ Styles, right? They're the they're the three that started, and then the whole era of Samoa Joe's thing with uh, and, and CM Punk and all of that stuff. Seth Rollins getting there, so it sounds like we have a very familiar, very similar uh, taste there. Um, funny story, actually. I I was just telling my kids because I just got my kids, uh, my two boys, and I are going to go. We're going to go try to check out WrestleMania in Philadelphia, and oh, I yeah. told them, yeah, and I told them. Uh, Last time I was in Philadelphia, I was at, um, I think it was called Man Up. It was a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and it was 
Tyler Black's first pay-per-view main event against Nigel McGuinness. So I got to tell him, like, this is going to be crazy because I'm going to see Seth Rollins likely close to the main event of WrestleMania in Philadelphia. And I was there in his first pay-per-view main event, like in the crowd when he wrestled, you know, his first kind of major televised main event. It's kind of wild to think that. Yeah, he could main event night one. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's where it's going, right? Like, I think it, it would be him and CM Punk night one would be a, a good main event, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, the logical course. And then we'll probably see Cody and Roman on night two. Yeah, They could do a big swerve, though. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Right. So now at, at what point and how do you fall into actually training? Uh, so funny enough, um, I had graduated high school and I was coasting, I was trying to figure out what to do, you know, trying to get acting roles, trying to really still trying to get uh, voice acting stuff. I think I'm pretty good at voice acting. Uh, so I'm hanging out at my house doing nothing, just thinking of what I want to do with my life. And I have all my friends over at my house every day and we're just hanging out. So I decided to show them because keep in mind, none of these kids are from the neighborhood. These are all friends from high school and stuff. So they didn't know about wrestling. They didn't grow up with wrestling. So I put on the entirety of WCW Nitro and we were watching mm. it. And we were about midway into the Attitude Era. Uh, and then one day my friend Donovan, he goes to the check cashing place to pick up his check. And while he's there, somebody hands him a flyer and it turns out to be Jake Sherman, the promoter of TWF. He hands oh, him a nice. flyer to the WF show. So Donovan is coming over to my house anyway. So he comes over and he comes in the door and he's like, you won't believe somebody just handed me. There's going to be a show in town at the boys and girls club. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, this weekend. So I look at the flyer and I'm like, holy crap. So all of my friends go because I've got them hooked on WCW. Mm. So uh, we show up there and I end up talking to uh, who is the best person on the card at the time. And he's now canceled Matt Fury. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's doing Lips. He, I'm like, this guy's about to get signed. So I'm going to talk to this guy. So then uh, he showed me who to talk to, start training. And that's where it all started right there. So where did you start training? I went with Vinny Massaro. He had to uh, show me the ropes. But. Okay. Now that was, he, he was training for TWF at the time, right? Yes. And then uh, he did TWF and, uh, any other promotion, he didn't have to be with TWF. He could just come, and it was all at Matt Freeman's house. We had his barn, uh, ring in his barn all set up. We had a big class at the time. Uh, and then it winded down to just me and Freeman training with him pretty much for a long time. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nobody nice. really started. Yeah, so um, did you complete training with Vinny Massaro, or did you end up having to go somewhere else? Well, he never said, you know, you're graduated or whatever, but it was all, you know, mm -hmm. handshake and you're good. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there was no set thing. Like I said, we were in the barn. Uh, I think he would say I'm good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you um, so when you kind of I know you, you never officially graduate, per se, but like, where do you start working? Where's your first bookings coming from? Is it TWF or somewhere else? Yeah, TWF. Uh, my first actual booking was in, uh, for a company called VCW, and I wrestled a guy named Joseph. Uh, he is a karate instructor uh, out in Stockton, and uh, he's actually won a lot of big uh, karate awards, like gold medals and stuff. And uh, he's training to come back right now because he had hurt his knee. Mm, awesome. Awesome. You know, it's funny. I'll tell you a story of TWF. So TWF, they were, I mean, you might know all this already, but they started in Tracy as a backyard promotion. Yeah. And th that was in the same time when I started, you know, SWF that I started, started as a backyard promotion too. And so uh, I, but I didn't have a ring. It was like literally a backyard, my backyard, and we would get a ton of people showing up. And we got all the Sacramento TV, but TWF was also becoming like a, like a thing. Right. And so this is like at the beginning of the internet. So I remember as a punk, like 17 year old kid sending a bunch of messages to, I assume it was Jake, right. Being like, you guys are nothing. We're the best. Blah, 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 blah. And he fired back. I don't even know if he remembers that. Right. But like we were firing back and forth and in a, and you know, I got to give Jake um, a lot of credit because 
I've been around since 1999. Like I was there when SPW started in 2000. Like I've been around that long. And I don't know of anybody who got more crap than Jake for what he was doing with TWF for a really long time, but he stuck with it. And now it's one of the more respected wrestling promotions in the area. I mean, that guy persevered. I don't know of anybody who worked harder on producing like weekly television shows from like 1998. I mean, he was on the, the thing that pissed me off was he was on public access and I wasn't when we were in Sacramento, you know, we were doing backyards. Right. And like he stuck with it and has, I mean, for years and years and years. And it's just so impressive to see that now, like he's finally getting the respect he always deserved. You know what I mean? Right. And that's really cool. You still work uh, for Jake, them, right? Yes. Uh, Jake is one of the best people I've ever met in my life for sure. Uh, yeah. He has a wonderful family. His son, Ethan, is uh, getting into high school now. Be excited to see if he gets in the business. I think he's going to be more of the promoting, booking side. Uh -huh. But, uh, he has another son, Leo, who's definitely going to be the wrestler. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm very proud of Jake and what he's done. You know, I only know of it from a secondhand point of view, but I've seen all the YouTube videos. And like you said, persevere is the good word because uh, he's stuck with it. And he's done big things, man. He runs the Stockton Arena with the uh, former hockey team and soon to be with the basketball, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, that's awesome. So now... Um... So tell me, like, where do you feel like you get um, your? Uh, where do you where do you get the most bookings? Is it TWF kind of where you call your home? I, you, I know you do a lot with Next Level. Where are some of the other places you? Uh, TWF is probably the home. Next Level, second home. Uh, I was one of the founding fathers of Next Level. Um, they're starting to really pick up steam as well. Uh, my other big company is Lucha Patron. They uh, have really showed a lot of faith in me. Uh, they put me up with Hernandez to tag team with him. Mm. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest matches I've done. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of promise in me. So uh, we're working up with some big things. My next match in uh, Lucha Patron is against Chemo. Mm. Uh, so that's a hotly anticipated match right there. Yeah. Uh, Realm of Warriors Wrestling and Lodi's and other people. Uh, they really believe in us. They uh, do a lot of the 209 stuff. Every uh, show we've done a 209 tag team match. So we'll see what's going on with this next one. Uh, what else? Uh, CWA wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Trip Rogers have been in a feud for probably two years now. Uh, he keeps <laughs> ducking in my match. Because uh, uh, I used to be the Cal Central Valley California champion. Mm. And uh, he got the belt, but I never got my rematch. And that's been the uh waiting flow of that see i see i love trip i think he's i think his character is great he's such a good worker couldn't say enough of good things about the ones it's ones yeah <laughs> so where did you uh how long did it take you to kind of find your gimmick well originally what happened was uh the shout out joe gamble joe gamble gave me the gimmick so he would help out the early days of uh, Matt Freeman's barn. Uh -huh. and, uh, he would always say that uh, my knee pads had the propensity to be stinky and smelly, no matter how much I wash them. So he would say, you're dirty, you're dirty. Uh -huh. And then it kind of clicked in his head that I had the mullet already. And he goes, that's it. You should just wrestle as CJ dirt. And that's how it was born. So nice. even though I'm kind of naturally, uh, redneckish in real life as you can see my knife collection behind me <laughs> where, where does that i didn't come plan from? doing a redneck character where and does that, that come from where, where does your redneck nakedness come from is your family kind of like that or i wouldn't say so my family is originally from wisconsin but they moved everywhere uh so my grandpa was in the air force mm. so they probably they picked up all over america and brought it to me i guess but yeah i don't know i just have a natural uh so i have to explain why i have the mullet though because it, okay. it's not neck okay. so in high school also uh every single kid that was mexican had a faux hawk hairstyle like how i do my hair just a spike in the front uh -huh. and uh the teachers would all mix up our names and then one day you know i'm sitting there in class and this teacher keeps saying jose and then 
I'm about to get in trouble. And I'm like, my name is not Jose. Like you keep calling me Jose. So then they're like, Oh, you all have the same hair. So then it dawned on me. I got to do something cool with my hair. So Mm -hmm. I started putting blonde streaks in my hair, but it wasn't enough. So me being a wrestling fan, I was like, I got to do the Eddie Guerrero. And that's where the mullet came. So you've kept it. Redneck inspired originally. It was Eddie Guerrero inspired and has morphed through time. <laughs> nice. So when you say you're a redneck, what do you mean by that? What makes you a redneck? You can live and enjoy the finer things in life, but you can also enjoy the cheaper and trashier things in life. Oh yeah, like what? Like what? Do you, what, would, what are some of the trashier things in life that you like? Well, after drinking a nice craft beer, I might open up a Paps Blue Ribbon afterwards, you know. Uh, that is something cheap that brings you joy in life. So, uh-huh. Nice. You know, it's funny because I I feel kind of like very similar in that I'm a lawyer, but I also like, I remember I did a tour with uh, Impact Wrestling one time. They were using my ring. We were doing some promotions for them. And we were in like Kennewich, Washington or something. And we were helping with the, with the, meet and greet in the back and i'm sitting there with somebody i think it was one of the ring guys at uh you know for impact and we're sitting there and i'm looking at all the people who are coming through and i'm like it's so wild that here i am like in law school going to be a lawyer and like these are the people i hang out with you know what i mean i'm like sitting there and i'm going like i i'm a lawyer but these are my people. You know what I mean? And I was like, I think that one thing that's cool about wrestling is it does get kind of a redneck vibe, right? But you get to meet all sorts of cool people that you never would meet in any other place. Like, I don't know if CJ Dirt and Josh Edlow meet anywhere other than a wrestling show. You know what I mean? Just because we just live completely different lives. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. It may be considered redneck, but kind of fun. Right. You never know where wrestling will take you. Like, you know, wrestling, uh, Eric Bischoff wrestled in North Korea, you know. Yeah. Wrestling will take you anywhere. Wrestling will have you meet some interesting people. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's it's really it's really fascinating. So when did you, you know, you, in my opinion, I, I've only seen you at Next Level Pro. But I got to tell you, you're one of the more over characters. You come out and everybody's just like, you know, really excited about it. What do you think it is that you bring that gets you over like that? Well, I would say, and this is more of like a shoot right here, is I'm one of the only people that does like wrestling, in my opinion, how it's supposed to be done. Where mm-hmm. nowadays, everybody is doing more of the flashy style and like, like I love New Japan and stuff, but they're all trying to do big hard hitting moves where I'm a character. And you can go and do all those hard-hitting moves in front of the next-level audience, and they're not going to remember you next month from anybody, but they're going to remember me and my character and, you know, my love for the USA and my love for drinking beer and, you know, mm-hmm. putting my foot up their bums, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're going to remember your brain buster. They won't even remember if you won the match or not, but they're going to be like, man, I remember CJ Dirt. So yeah. That's what a lot of wrestling today is missing out on, you know. There's not that character. Right. And, and I love what The Undertaker says when he says, he's talking about wrestling, he goes, the moves are just there to help you tell the story, right? And like, and you're right. I mean, I, you're actually dead on because it's funny. There are lots of guys out there who can do a bunch of, you know, a, a 450 splash or, you know, something like that. But the guys I remember are CJ Dirt, the Stoner Brothers, you know, uh, trip rogers the guys who are big flashy characters jmm is another guy i see him and he walks out there and i remember him you know what i mean and uh so who are some of your guys that you like really working who are some of the wrestlers you like Hmm, work wise uh, well me and alex ace always have a hell of a time uh (laughs) Yeah, I ran uh, into him. <laughs> ran into him recently. Big dude. We're always, you know, such a mismatch, and I can't do any moves to him. But every time we work, you know, the crowd is in awe. Um, mm-hmm. I always get a lot of sympathy, even if he's playing up the face, because uh, you know I make it look like he's killing me. Right. Uh, 
And then at the last time he wrestled, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I gave him a belt shot and it actually busted him open. <laughs> so oh, did it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize so I rolled out of the ring and I'm celebrating to the crowd. And then he sits up kind of like the undertaker and he's got the crimson mask, like, you know, Ric Flair status. Oh. And I'm like, Oh my God. And he was playing it up for the crowd. But he was coming after me. And I was like actually running for my life. Like a real giant was after me. Cause there really was a giant after me. <laughs> oh man. That's a, uh, that's hilarious. I, yeah, Alex, uh, I met him at the last show and I got to tell you the next level show actually. And, uh, Man, such a pro. You know what I mean? Right. He's really, really good at what he does. Um, so, yeah. Now, tell me, um, the 209 crew, seems like it's getting over. Those shirts come off, fly off the shelves, right? I mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're actually NWO shirts. You know, they uh, sell yeah. so much, it seems like. Yeah. So, how did that come about? Whose idea was that? Well, there was lots of... Uh, controversy at the time with um ugwa wrestling and matt freeman and they were into a little bit of a spat and i wasn't really involved in that but uh people were all lumping all of us together and they were talking smack a little bit and it was very reminiscent of you know kevin nash and scott hall getting smack talked on them but they were draws you know and mm -hmm. everybody was barking up our tree but we were still drawing money selling our shirts doing good you know so uh, we thought, why not all come together, sell our own shirts, make our own faction, you know, be an actual clique just like them. But we'll be the 209 because we're kind of the embodiment of the 209. I'm the redneck guy. Matt Freeman's the gym asshole. Michael Sean's the rich asshole from River Islands. So it's kind of like a, a real 209 parallel of the clique, the original clique and now the 209 clique. It's got yeah. the circles overlap. So that's yeah. where that information came from. What was the issue with uh, UGWA? Oh, where to begin? It's all, like I said, I wasn't really involved in it. It was with uh, Matt Freeman and uh, he was getting booked there. And this other guy, Topher, was getting booked there. And this guy, Topher and Matt Freeman became friends. And then Topher was saying that Ugwa had stolen his ring and were using it. And Matt Freeman took up on the side of Topher. And that's where the war really started. Okay. So this is interesting timing that we're talking about. this. I could talk about this too. I'll do a little shooting myself. So I am friends with Dave Dutra. Uh, good, good guy. I love him. He was my champion almost the entire time the SWF was around. He was, it was kind of, I was the first guy to book SWF. Uh, uh, I was the first guy to book him as like a main eventer. He had just kind of come into his own, turned heel. Good dude. I don't know that, by the way, just so we're all clear, I don't know the UGW, UGAA guy. I think his name is like Trevino or something like that. I don't right. know him at all. I, I think we're friends on Facebook, but I've never, I don't think I've ever met him, right? Like ever. So I don't know anything about UGWA. I've seen pictures. Seems like they get good crowds. Dave, I know, loves working with them. I think he has like a connection because they used to do backyard stuff together, but I right. don't. I don't know, you know, I don't know them at all, right? Uh, and so all of a sudden, uh, I get some kind of passive aggressive message on Instagram from this Topher guy, right? Uh, and uh, telling me to say something about, you know, ask Dave about something. And he kind of caught me, admittedly, he kind of caught me at a bad moment, you know? And so I was like, I'm not getting involved in your drama. You know what I mean? I don't know anything. About, I don't know who you are. And it right. turned into this whole thing where I ended up getting blocked by this guy named Topher. He's like, I'm going to block you. And I was like, all right, guy, you know, <laughs> you're, you know, I don't know who you are or whatever. Good luck with your promotion and your life. Uh, right. I didn't realize him and Matt are friends. And so, uh, so this all sounds like it's all kind of interconnected. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I'm not particularly involved, but uh, Topher is insane. But he is also a genius. That's what I'll say. Um, okay. He does a lot in the comic world and art world and stuff. And uh, he kind of likes to be like Andy Kaufman, but he pushes it too far. And he doesn't know when to take it easy. I see. He, he knows, you know. But uh, he does his own art in his own way. <laughs> okay. Is he a wrestler? Yeah, he used to be. but. Uh, 
he claims to have been ran out of the business and now his uh, daughter is wrestling and he's focusing mm. on her career, I guess. I see. Okay. Interesting. I thought while all this was going on, uh, I thought, does he run a promotion or something? No, he used to help out with a company called uh, Lucha Champs, but the ownership of that company has shifted over completely. So, ah, I see. Okay, yeah, I just thought it was really wild because, uh, you know, he was he sent me a message. He's like, "Oh, you don't remember me," and I'm like, "Remember you? I don't even like. I don't think I've ever even met you. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, "Who are you?" And he's trying to call me on Facebook and do all this stuff, and I was, and he like wants this, and I go. There's no call necessary, man. Like, I don't know who you are. I just don't want to get involved, you know, and it was really wild. So sounds like there's more going on there than I knew. So. Yeah. No, I don't know what their whole scuffle is about, but I'm sure it has to do with Ugwa. But, uh, you know, me and Ugwa still are cool. Uh, it was funny. One time uh, the owner of Ugwa put out a message, I guess, on Facebook or something. He was like, fuck Matt Freeman and Michael Sean, but CJ Dirt's cool. So it's like. I <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I've worked there too. Uh, me and Freeman have both worked there, but uh, as far as I know, we're amicable. But uh, he's never reached out for a booking. I haven't reached the other hand out either. But uh, mm-hmm. everything's good. There's no uh, war on the front. Nice. So tell me the relationship with Matt Freeman. I'm sure that relationship kind of budded through training together with Vinny. Um, okay. And, uh, and where did Michael Sean kind of come into that? Well, Michael Sean was always at TWF. Uh, he was always around. Michael Sean doesn't drink or anything, but he's always been, uh, he's like our triple H, you know? Ah, okay. So I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, it's actually funny. You brought up a couple of names. Uh, you brought up Joe Gamble and Michael Sean, and I've worked both of them recently. And, uh, it's funny because, um, I don't even remember who I didn't hear anything specific, but it sounds to me, I get the sense that like Mike, uh, Michael Sean is a little polarizing, maybe a little bit. Like some people like him. Some people really don't. I don't know. You know why yeah, I was saying about, you know, about how we're the real version of the click. Um, yeah. People, I guess would say I'm X-Pac. He's maybe a uh, triple H. Uh, Matt Freeman could be Kevin Nash. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the reason I bring it up is because uh, I worked him uh, at Johnny Jeter's show and uh, couldn't have been a cooler guy. Like, I, I I really enjoyed working him, really enjoyed, like, talking to him. Like, just, I think we had actually a lot in common because I don't drink either. You know what I mean? I don't do all that. And it uh, seemed like a good guy. And then you mentioned Joe Gamble. I actually recently did an ugly dojo match against Joe. I had never met him before in my life, never talked to him before, never saw him work. And the match was like, it was easy. Like the guy, the guy just knows what he's doing. He can work like, I mean, it was, it was like a night off working him. You know what I mean? And so uh, really impressed with both of those guys, you know, and Michael looks like a, he looked like a million bucks out. Oh yeah, me and him, uh, we always hit the gym. Uh, he lives in Manteca as well, so. Okay, all right. So uh, now tell me about you. I mean, are you? I assume you're not married. Uh, you know, girlfriend, kids. No, nah, just uh, still. Uh, my grandma's still kicking, so I help her out. You know, get her to the doctor appointment. Uh, help her out around the house. Uh, my aunt works all during the day, and then at night she kind of takes over. So. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned something earlier. You mentioned voice acting, and uh, you, you mentioned that you were trying to get acting gigs. Where did that develop? Well, I was in theater all – well, I did three years of theater in high school, and then I still did some plays my senior year. Mm. But uh, originally, I did not want to join theater at all. I only put it down because I thought it was going to be an easy uh, class to pass. And then the first day I got there, we all had to hold hands and stand in a circle and tell each other our feelings. And I was like, man, this is whack. And then the <laughs> second day of school, we actually got to do some acting, like uh, improv called Park Bench, where there's a bench on the stage. And then one person sits down and then there's a line and you come up like a character and you have to get them to leave the bench and then you sit down. So you could be like a mime or a clown or something and you come up and like 
pretend to spray water on them to get them off the bench. And I fell in love with it from that. I was like, all right, so improv's amazing. And that kind of plays into wrestling. Yeah. So that's where my love of acting came from was in theater. And I ended up my junior year, I did uh, three starring roles, like lead roles. And uh, my theater teacher said that had never been done in her class, that nobody could remember all that and do all that. So I was the nice. first one to get three in one year. Is that is that something that you're still interested in pursuing in, in becoming an actor at some point? Uh, I would. Um, right now, I like, you know, obviously love wrestling. And I think if I would have to cut my hair or anything, that would mess up my uh, acting aspirations. Mm. But uh, I have done some acting work. Um, I was in a movie that has not been released yet, but uh, it took place in the 70s through the 90s. And I was just in the background. And uh, they were like, oh, you're perfect for this because I had, you know, the the look. So yeah. they just changed my uh, clothes. And then I was a background character throughout several decades. Nice. Nice. Uh, do you expect the movie to come out soon? I'm assuming it's going to be like a Netflix type movie, but uh, I have no idea. They should be sending me some information. <laughs> I uh, I have a claim to fame in uh, in 1999 in the height of the wrestling stuff. I get a call from a guy named Bob Boris who uh, from LA and he's like, Hey, um, we want, we have a vision of a backyard wrestling movie and we want you to be in it. And I'm like, great. And uh, he's like, yeah, we'll pay you like all this stuff. And, um, and so he, he came and we filmed some footage for him doing backyard wrestling. There's this movie called backyard dogs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but uh, yeah, he came out in the '90s or, or maybe early 2000, like literally 2000. And uh, the the Black Power Ranger was like the main character. And so he talked to me, and he's like, "We'd like you to come down and read for a part." But I was going to serve um, the the filming of the movie would have been the same time I was leaving on a mission for my church. So it was like I'd have to put the the church off, you know, the the church mission off to go. That was going right. to be two years long. So I'm like, nah, that's fine. Just film the footage or whatever. So they paid me. It was enough to cover part of my mission, you know. And uh, and then I came back and film was out on VHS and DVD. And so I have I have a a little film credit there for being in that movie. And so yeah, it's it's acting is fun. Like I've I've done a little bit of theater and theater classes and stuff like that too. Just trying to get in front of people because I knew it was going to be a trial attorney. And, uh, and wrestling kind of fills that uh, creative void as well. Do you, do you feel like that that does that for you? Like, do you feel like kind of it gets that theater bug out of you? Yeah, it does. Because it's, like I said, it's similar to improv. Like, uh, I liked all the normal plays and stuff. But the improv was really where I shined, I thought. Um, we would do these plays called coffee houses, where it was like a do whatever you want. Like, our teacher didn't instruct us. We were... In control and we could do improv also or we could write our own stuff mm -hmm. Man. and uh wrestling to me is like that <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, we kind of get an outline but we're kind of free to go for the most part so yeah. it's reminiscent of those coffee house days yeah so like this 209 crew situation i mean do you feel like it's got a lot of legs still um do you foresee going kind of out on your own where do you see it going I think no matter which way the storyline goes, I think it's got some uh, big implications. Uh, mm -hmm. If any of the members of the clique decided to go it one day, don't know who, not saying which one. There's a lot of different directions from that, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um so of your uh, of the four cuz now you have the uh, you have the Godfather Swole involved as well. Um and where does he fit into all that? Well, you know, he carries our bags, goes to the bar, gets <laughs> the whiskey for it. Uh, well, me and Michael Sean, uh, we really helped the original training of Swole. Uh, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to say we're his main trainers or anything, but we would help out right there, you know, uh, mm -hmm. right alongside Tony Vargas. And originally Vinny also did help train him. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we were always right by his side. So we thought he was a good, uh, give him some heel rub in the click, you know, cause he's always a face for the most part. 
Yeah. So um, do you guys uh, tend to all get booked at the same time or is it like a couple of you go here and there or how does that work? Uh, for the most part, it's just uh, whoever reaches out. Um, me and Michael Sean have done tag work at uh, East Bay Pro Wrestling, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, they've never asked for the other members and vice versa. So mm -hmm. it just depends, you know, if uh, they call, we'll all be there uh, if we're needed. <laughs> Yeah. So um, now tell me, uh, as far as matches that you could have that you haven't yet, as far as like local guys, who are some matches like guys you would like to work that you haven't worked yet? I can't say I've wrestled Devin Danger yet one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I haven't wrestled Jaya Jewel one-on-one. -on -one. I think that'd be a good uh, gimmick clash. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done tag stuff together, I believe. I love him. Uh, I think his his character is awesome. Oh yeah, uh, me and OC Hayes just had a good match, but I think uh, we could push uh, the limits of that. I think it could be a storyline, or you know, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody was saying we had good chemistry, so I think that could uh, be pushed further. Was that it? That was it. Next level, right? So yes. Yeah. But I had I had wrestled him in a tag team match before East Bay, so mm. that was our first singles. Okay. But yeah, I'd like to continue working with him. I think he's good. Yeah. He's got a good look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, You know, it's funny. It's hard for me um, when I'm booked on a show. It's hard for me to kind of watch the other matches until after my match is over. You know, like I have to get into a headspace to, like, get out there. So yeah. uh, every time I've I've been on a show with him – his match comes before mine, you know? And so I've never really had a chance to sit and really watch his work. I've seen, he does some tag stuff, the ACOC stuff. And, uh, and it seems to, it seems to get a good pop when they're out there. So, right. um, but I know he's got a good look. He looks very athletic and looks like he can work. So the good thing about him and the good thing about our match was um, we were face face and normally that's not a good thing. But uh, he knows how to work it, and so do I. And the crowd really responded to it, and they actually liked our, uh, you know, sportsmanship and everything. Almost a Ring of Honor throwback, a little bit. Nice, not, nice. Not as technical and crazy, but uh, the crowd, you know, felt that respect. And uh, normally they could care less if it was face face, you know, but mm. they were into both of us. Nice, nice. So now these guys that you run with the 209 crew, I mean, you guys just, are you guys friends? Are you guys close? Like the click? Oh yeah. We talk every day pretty much. Uh, whether it's just, you know, Instagram sending memes or something, or Matt Freeman is the king of a long phone call, but you know, I'd rather hear his voice than not hear it. You know, he's always an entertaining storyteller. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't really talked to him much. He seems like a really interesting guy. I've seen him work a few times. And uh, uh, he seems like a pretty, pretty good dude. So, you know, once he uh, loves you, he loves you forever. You know, like that's mm -hmm. why he went to bat for that whole Topher situation. You know, it's like, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He's going to take the bullet for you if he loves you, you know? Yeah. You know, he strikes me for the way you describe him. I was just telling my son, you know, who Draymond Green, you know, from the, the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were talking about him, and he's like, he's such a jerk. And I go, he is a jerk. But as someone who's played basketball, you hate you hate playing against him. But man, you love having him on your team, you know. Right. And and I, I get I I got the impression from the people who've talked about Matt Freeman. He's that guy. Like you don't want to cross him, but you love having him on your team. Exactly. He's the guy I'd want on my side in a bar fight. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, I mean, do you guys just hang out on the regular? Like, I mean, you, you, with these guys, I mean, you guys hang out outside of wrestling too. Yeah. So uh, Mike Hayashi is currently our uh, little trainer at the school in the barn. Um, mm -hmm. So we go out and hang out after the practices. Uh, Freeman's got like a open house. He's got the whole, big mf wine ranch out there in lodi you know so he's got a mm -hmm. pool hang out uh kitchen you know always cooking doing whatever we need to do and then uh hang out swim barbecue nice that's awesome man it's always good to have those friends man that that's the thing that's so cool about wrestling is um 
some of the guys that I know, I mean, like, you know, you'll, you'll be friends for life just cause it's like, you're in a war together when you're driving up, up and down the, the area, you know, trying all these different promotions and sweating and bleeding in the wrestling ring together, you guys become buddies, you know what I mean? You guys become friends for life and that's really cool. So I still talk, you know, to, to some of the guys that, uh, you know, my, my original trainer was Oliver John, you know, and, uh, and then I finished up years and years, years later, I finished up with Johnny Jeter and I talked to both of them on the regular still, you know what I mean? Right. It's just, um, it's just, it's amazing how that, that works. And so what's next for CJ dirt? Where, where do you like seeing, where would you like to see this wrestling stuff go? I'm just trying to make it to any company I can, you know, uh, whether it be MLW, NWA, AEW, uh, WWE would be the crown jewel of them all. But uh, I'd be happy to do anything, you know. Uh, I don't have to be the main event, but I'm happy being the Santino Morella if I have to be. Right. And uh, right. I think I still got the skills to do it, you know. I did an impact tryout uh, the one time, and uh, Scott told me, you know, I got what it takes. Just keep going at it. He said the character was good. And he didn't have like much negative to say at all. So, mm. you know, just keeping that thought in my mind, keep pushing at it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, like every day, you know, I'm incredibly blessed, even though I'm not religious, I'm very blessed to uh, live the life and do the independent wrestling. Uh, yeah. We should be very thankful that we even can wrestle. You know, there's people like in Africa or something where they don't even have wrestling maybe in their country and they'd have to save up for 10 years to go and train. But, you know, yeah. I can go, the next town over and train, you know, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's really good to have that perspective, you know, and, and it's also good, you know, a lot of people out there, what they do, uh, I was just, I was just having this conversation. I can't remember with who, but there's a lot of people out there where, um, you know, something bad's going on in their life. And so because it's going bad, they really tend to focus on the one bad thing. But right. they forget about all the other areas that are excelling. And my my point to that would be is that if you're a person who's struggling with something, you can struggle with something, but also still be incredibly successful in other areas of your life. You know what I mean? And, right. uh, and so what is it that you think drives you as a person? What, what is it that, that motivates you? That's tough to say. I mean, the classic wrestling answer is money, but, uh, you know, I enjoy genuinely, I enjoy entertaining the fans, seeing that, you know, they had a good time at the show. Um, I can't really say I've ever seen a fan have a bad time, but if I did, I would, I would be like, damn, that sucks. I couldn't, you know, make them have a good time. So I guess just being good at, uh, my chosen profession, you know, that's a good striving point, you know, mm-hmm. I think every wrestler, when they see their match or whatever, they're like all bummed. But um, I'm always just striving to have a, a good one. You know, nobody's hurt. Crowd's entertained. Let's yeah. get to the next weekend and keep going at it till we can't. You right. Know? right, right. That's awesome, man. It sounds great. So uh, if in 2024, do you have any goals set? Uh, well... It's a little wrestling related, a little not wrestling related. Uh, the people over at Next Level and Zebo have been trying to get a beer review show for me, kind of like a uh, guys uh, dine ins, drivers, and you know where he goes to the different diners and eats the food. They mm-hmm. want to do that with the breweries and try out the beer as the CJ Dirt character. Nice. We've been trying to get that off the ground, so uh, I think that would actually help me in the wrestling career as well. Um, I could promote, you know, I have a TV show on Zebo, you know. Nice putting the door out there and uh help with acting wrestling everything so that's awesome yeah have they talked to you about shooting that uh yeah we've tried a couple times and uh one time we were getting ready to go we had it all set up at a revision brewing in reno and then that day the brewery canceled oh bummer that was the one shooting day we had and it went out the window so now uh trying to get funding back again and get some breweries ready to go. Nice. Okay. So what I'm going to do with you is uh, ask you uh, three questions. I ask everybody. Okay. And uh, the first one is, is what would you think you'd say is your biggest success? My biggest success. 
I'd say just becoming a wrestler. I think uh, when I was a kid, you know, saying I was going to be a wrestler, nobody believes you, but uh, made it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say that is my best success. I've done all these things I would have never expected because uh, yeah. when I was 18 and because uh, I started training at 20, I thought I missed the boat. I was like, this is it, you know. Mm-hmm. This was my one opportunity, and here's 19s are coming, and I missed that wrestling school boat. So <laughs> that's I made it. Yeah, well, let me tell you, that's that's funny because I started training when I was 17, and I didn't finish until I was 41. Uh, you know, in between, I was involved in wrestling in different capacities, and I, it, you know, my deal was when I was 17. I mean, I was six foot seven, I was 275, right? So like. I trained for like two months with Oliver John and then people were booking me, even though I didn't really know what I was doing just because I was a big guy. You didn't have to do much. You know what I mean? And just throw people around, but I never finished. And so it's never too late, man. To, it's never too late. I mean, now I finally, I would train, I got to train with Johnny Jeter, former WWE wrestler. And now I get to do those things now that my kids get to watch, you know, and that's, that's pretty cool. And so, Um, And it's interesting, you know, another thing I'd say about that success is, um, so like I thought when I was 18 years old, I thought that I was going to be in the WWE and I thought I would be at WrestleMania and tour the world and do all those things. And then I served a mission for my church and my goals changed. I wanted to have kids. I want to be around for them. So that kind of changed and I went the lawyer route. And then now I'm, you know, but then I got to promote wrestling and now I'm in wrestling. And the thing is, though, is if you look at that, if you look at that in just the idea that, like, I wanted to make it to the WWE, I didn't. So is that a failure? Sure. But I have a ton of cool stories. You know what I mean? Something that a ton, no, but very few people could say. I mean, I toured with TNA. I was the first guy to bring New Japan Pro Wrestling to America. Had Shinsuke Nakamura's first WWE or first American match on my show against Oliver John. Like nobody else can say that. So was it a failure? Sure. But it was a pretty freaking good failure. You know what I mean? And so so now that's the next question for you. What would you say is your biggest failure in life? And and what did you learn from that failure? Hmm. That is a tough one. I've always thought of myself as successful in everything, so it's hard to think of a failure right off the top of the head. Um, yeah. I guess it just would be... Um, no, I can't say. I was going to say something like I didn't go to school, but then again, I don't think it's an appropriate answer because I don't think college would have helped me out with my current ambitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll have to think about it. Keep, go on to the next question. I'll try to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, well, here's a question for you. How old are you, by the way? 26 now. I just turned 26. Okay. So you're still really young. I remember being 25 and being like, oh my gosh, I'm 25. And now I'm not 25. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was 25 again. You know, um, you got you got your whole life ahead of you. I'm sure you're going to have lots and lots of failures and who cares, right? You know, the, the whole point of this life... It's interesting. You strike me as the type of guy who I think is successful because you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. You're probably not afraid to fail. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I'm not afraid to fail at all. You know, uh, that's why I'm so uh, nonchalant in the ring about you know being made a fool of or getting a pie in my face or something. You know, it's part mm-hmm. of the show, but it's uh, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, well, and I think that that's important. Like, you may even be the type of person who it doesn't even like. For me, I've I've been able to be successful about a lot of stuff, right? But like, it's also because I just it just never occurred to me that I that I couldn't be successful. You know what I mean? Like, even when people were telling me, "Oh, wrestling is stupid," I mean, like, of course you're not going to become a pro wrestler. It's like, why? You know what I mean? Why couldn't I do that? Or, oh, no, you couldn't make it through law school. Why couldn't I make it through law school? You know what I mean? Like, lots of people do it. How come I, you know, 
uh, I tell my son, he's my son is a big guitar player. We were just talking, we had a podcast earlier where he was saying, well, I want to have a backup plan because, you know, very few people make it as a musician. And I'm like, why couldn't you be one of the few that do? Right. Like someone, someone makes it. Why not you? Right. (laughs) So, um, so you're 26. So this is not, you probably haven't maybe not even thought about this at all, but at some point in your life, you're going to pass away. (laughs) And when you do, there's going to be a funeral and someone's going to give your eulogy. What would you be, what would you hope is one thing that someone would say about you in your eulogy? That I always tried to do the best I could. <laughs> I guess that would be the best. <laughs> um, yeah. I have, you know, uh, the acting aspirations and I still have a little nibbling of political aspirations. So I'd hope that if that did come to fruition, I'd make the right choices and everything. So I guess I'd want to be uh, looked at positively when I'm mm-hmm. gone. I guess that'd be the, <laughs> as long as it's positive, I'd be a happy camper. So hold on. Now I got to stop. Political aspirations. What, what do you mean by that? What are your aspirations? Uh, whether it's mayor or governor or anything, I think a uh, pro wrestler and a politician is hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, just the man. It. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it, you mean like, would you want to get involved in your local politics like there in Stockton? Oh, yeah. Or I've been, yeah, I've been to a few city council meetings. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, right now they're having a little, well, the war is kind of coming to an end, but they didn't want there to be uh, any medical or recreational cannabis shops. So I was mm-hmm. on the forefront of that, trying to get them to allow that. And now Manchester is about to get three of them, but they're still skating on thin ice about it. So, mm, okay. So are those kind of the things like what, what is it as a, as in politics would you want to change? Just more common sense. Um, in Manteca, as I'm talking locally, there's a lot of stupid mistakes. Like they put in medians in the road, which is a waste of money and makes traffic worse. And they claim it's going to be better. Um, in this area, they're building lots of high income housing so people can go to the Bay Area. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we need that. But I think we need to have an equal amount of lower uh, income housing, you know. Um, just the way they go about things, I think, could be done better when it's looked at from a citizen's point of view than these guys that have been locked up in the city council for all these years, especially where I'm at in Manteca. It's very uh, old school mm. politics. Interesting. Where do you uh, where would you categorize yourself in the political spectrum? Would you say you're like more conservative, more liberal, more independent? Where would you say you are? probably more of an independent um okay i have more liberal uh views but uh some very minor ones on the conservative side i I guess Mm. so like would you say you're like a financial conservative but uh liberal like on uh on social issues or kind of vice versa now I'd say like the only big one I have on uh, conservative issues is like gun rights and weapon rights. I think um, mm. I think people should have guns and stuff. It's a, it's a tricky issue, totally. but uh, I'm more in line of that we should have guns than against not having them. That yeah, I you know it's interesting you mentioned it's a it's a tricky issue. So I my degree is in government. That's why I piqued my interest and. I don't think people understand how complicated the issue is because, you know, they want to compare us to places like Australia or Europe, but we're not like them at all because we have a second amendment. Right. Exactly. Like, never had that to begin with. So, right. So it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a specific situation where it says it shall not be infringed. If you are a strict constitutionalist, which a lot of people are and a lot of the judges are, especially the judges on the Supreme Court now, that means it shall not be infringed, period, right? And so, you know, know, it just makes us, I heard somebody recently say, and I thought this was interesting, and they said, we have to accept that America was founded on radical principles. 
And I go, that's actually a very good way to put it. Like the idea, think about this, the idea that you're allowed to say whatever you want, like against the government, against anybody, as deplorable as it is, you can say whatever you want without repercussion. You have freedom of speech with very few limitations. That's such a radical idea in so many different places, you know, where the idea of you can practice any religion or no religion doesn't yeah. matter whatever you want you know what i mean like you you don't have to like uh the the, the government can't search your stuff without probable cause like that you can tell them no you want to can i search your car no unless they got probable cause those are radical principles and it's kind of it's kind of cool and i wish more people kind of understood that so and also, I got to say, how do you think, so Manteca is very different than Sacramento. And you, I'm sure you realize, like, you know, a, a half Mexican guy with a with a mullet is a very interesting politician. Right. Uh, sometimes you got to be a character, too. You got to grab the people's attention. Well, Donald Trump taught us that, right? I mean. Right. He, he is uh, the master of the pro wrestling uh, promo and the debate. Yeah, no kidding. Man, that's awesome. Well, I would be very interested to see a CJ Dirt uh, uh, mayor run. That'd be fun. And it probably would help your gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> quite it'll, a happen bit. it'll happen one day. Yeah. You think so? Are you going to try to, as you get older, are you going to try to keep staying in local politics and getting involved? Yeah. You know, I haven't been to, uh, out there i've been mostly uh, focusing on the wrestling but uh i think when the time comes i'll dip my toe in there full fledged awesome that will be fun to watch so uh man well i got to tell you uh i have appreciated having you on this podcast it's been interesting to get to know you it's always cool to be able to get to know what makes somebody tick and now that i know this i'm sure next time i see you on a show we're going to be talking about politics quite a bit so yeah. uh We'll talk about that stuff. Um, so where can people find you? They want to start following you. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. I'm at CJ Dirt. Nice. Easy and, and then, and uh, then hold up. I'll just rip this off my wall here. This jag tag right here helps me out. Oops. Pro Wrestling Tees. You can buy my shirt. Nice. Awesome. So you, you have a pro wrestling tea, uh, uh, you have a pro wrestling tea store. Yes. I have this one shirt on here right now. Um, this was designed by of the dead. Uh, he does shirts for CM Punk, Hulk Hogan. He's worked for WWE, AEW, and now he's, uh, designed my shirt, which you can get, like I said, pro wrestling tees slash CJ dirt. Same as all my Instagram, Twitter, everything handle. Uh, and that really helps me out. That's going to be a direct support right here to me. Nice. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, I look forward in 2024 to see more from CJ dirt. Uh, if anybody uh, heard, you know, heard this, I encourage you to follow him. You can see him at next level pro TWF all over the place. Subscribe to the podcast. They still got a lot more fun stuff coming up. Uh, CJ, appreciate your time. Yeah. And, you know, I really thank you for having me on here. You know, you guys got wrestling legends, Jake, the snake, Eric Bischoff, everything. So me being on here, I'm thrilled, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. We'll talk to everybody later. All right on.